Hey guys, welcome back to So How Did I Get Here? This is me, Sam Lax, and this is episode 10. This week, I was joined by Nathan Dalla, one of the Young Gun co-founders of Australia's quickest-growing healthy restaurant chain, Fishbowl. From their opening flagship store in 2016 in Bondi, Nathan and his business partners Nick and Casper set out with one bold goal, to change fast food and its culture. Specialising in made-to-order salads with a Japanese twist, the trio's growing restaurant empire is arguably doing just that. At the time I'm writing this, they've got 13 stores, having just expanded out of Sydney and into Melbourne. At university, Nathan enjoyed cooking and hosting, but like a lot of people, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. He changed degrees several times, nearly bought a cafe in the heart of UTS, and eventually dropped out altogether to move to America, where he was exposed to a new wave of quick, casual restaurants. Inspiration from these restaurant experiences melded with his love for Japanese cuisine, and when Nathan returned to Sydney, he teamed up with his two mates, bringing their sum total of professional hospitality experience to one bar job to make a go of it. The rest, as they say, is history. In our chat, Nathan walks me through the fishbowl journey and offers an insight into what makes the business tick today. From working as a yacht cleaner to earn the first down payment on their flagship store, to the apps, systems, spaces and people that make up their rapidly scaling fishbowl enterprise. We also talk about the culture the guys have built around their food, complementing their product with design-driven spaces, curated music, house sports teams, run clubs, events and more. Finally, Nathan leaves us with a tantalising glimpse of what's on the horizon for the business. I left this chat feeling super inspired, so I hope it gives you a similar tingle too. If it did, subscribe and share the episode with a friend. Welcome. And I am joined, I'm incredibly lucky to be joined by one of the co-founders of Australia's hottest and quickest growing restaurants, a fusion of Japanese cuisine and delicious fresh salad, Mr. Nathan Della. How are you, my friend? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Thanks for cutting the time out. Really appreciate it. So without further ado, should we begin at the beginning? Of course, yeah. Where were you born, my friend? Uh, in Sydney. In Sydney? Whereabouts, specifically? Uh, in, where was I born? In Paddington. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So really in yeah, the heart yeah. of it. Yeah, born and raised, yeah. Nice. Grew and here. grew up all around here, school. Yeah, went to school up the road, um, Scots College. Wicked. Um, just a, a boys' school. Mm-hmm. Um, what would it have found you doing? What were your hobbies when you were, when you were a young man? I mean, look, it was a, it was a, like a sp- school that was big into sports. Um, so naturally I you know, did develop a love for sports, basketball, mm-hmm. rugby. Um, I wasn't that, you know, athletically gifted. So I actually, you know, leaving school, I, I left school wanting, thinking that I wanted to become a sports journalist. Oh, cool. Um, and that sort of led me to, into my first degree, which was um, media and communications um, and journalism. So fast tech. Um, and did you do the whole thing? I didn't. Um, I was going to say the, the way you said first. Uh, yeah, you know, such was my path throughout uni. I, I tended to hop around a little bit. Yeah, me um, too. Because, you know, to, to be to be frank, I guess, like coming out of school, um, I didn't know, you know, I probably went, I went straight from school to uni mm, um, mm. before then deferring and, and traveling for a little bit. But I, I really didn't know, as much as I can say, like, oh, I kind of thought I wanted to be a sports journalist. I really didn't know what it is that I wanted to do. Um, to be honest, I kind of looked at the list of subjects at university and thought that 
you just had to pick one of them. Mm. You know, there wasn't a degree in, in, I don't, I don't know. Like it was just, it was what, what, whatever the degrees were, were titled that to me seemed like the, um, clearest avenues in, in so far as a job is concerned. And so I guess I was somewhat railroaded into that. And I, yeah, I, I did bounce around a few degrees, um, starting with journalism and then, um, law, um, and commerce. Okay. And I, um, you know, I did, I, like I said, I, I didn't actually complete any of them. Um, was this like a year of one, two no, months was, of one? What? <laughs> it was about at least a year of them each. Um, and, and what was know, going through your head while you were doing them? Um, what, while, while I was at uni, my whole thing was pretty much like, okay, I'm at uni until I can figure out what to do to not be here. And so literally while I was there, I mean, whether I was in class or... So it was more of like um, a placeholder kind of thing. It was a placeholder. Like I was in socially class. constructed, it, yeah. everyone's doing it, so I best fit in whilst yeah. I figure out whatever else I want to do. Well, I spent a lot of time at uni just developing my own, um, like just I tried to work out things that I liked. And I, I found myself scrolling through places like Gumtree, businesses for sale and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I like to cook a lot. And so I was cooking and I liked hospitality. And I always felt like I liked hosting people and entertaining people and talking to people. And I figured that, um, you know, that you know, perhaps like, you know, uh, something in the restaurant space um, or in the food space would be a good stepping stone into that. Interesting. Um, into that world. And I guess that's why I was literally scrolling through businesses for sale while I was at UTS and actually ended up finding a, um, finding a shop right in the heart of uh, UTS, like a little cafe that I almost um, just, like, you know, purchased off the, the, the previous owner. Oh, wow. Um, before it eventually fell through and I went traveling and met a girl and moved to the, spent a, not moved to the States, but I spent a significant time in, um, of my early twenties in the U S mm-hmm. um, where I was exposed to, I think like a new wave of, um, restaurants, um, particularly like that sort of quick casual realm. Mm, um, like sweet green stuff like that. Yeah. Specifically. About. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, a place like sweet green was, was, was something that really stuck out to me. Um, um, just as a, as a place that I thought, like, you know, I, I loved what they were about, what they were doing. I walked into the, I remember walking to the first figure and thinking, oh, like, this is, you know, this all makes sense in my head. Like, I can, I can wrap my head around this. And so coming back to Sydney, um, you know, and having taken a lot of inspiration from places I had been exposed to over there, I thought, okay, look, you know, what can I take from the places that, um, you know, I really sort of enjoyed and admired in the US? Yeah. And how can I interpret that in my own way um, and I really see, just apply yeah. my own twist to it? And, I grew up um, really loving sushi and Japanese food. Um, and I figured everyone did because, you know, I just, one has to look at any high street or any center or city in the world. And, you know, it's, it's full of them. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. synonymous with sushi and yeah. Japanese flavors. It's everywhere. And so, um, you know, when we started Fishbowl, it was about, okay, how can we take the flavors people know and love from sushi and Japanese cuisine and appropriate that into a salad? Mm. And, you know, that's sort of led me to our first store in Bondi. And you've um, got two business partners, right? You've got Casper and Nick. Yeah, so um, chiefly Nick. What uh, does Casper do in the mix? Well, Nick, I, Nick, I was studying with. Um, okay, yeah. Um, and went to school with. Um, yeah. He was my best friend growing up. Yeah. Uh, and Casper um, was the younger brother of my other best friend. Oh. Um, and he was, I guess, the only one of us that had any true hospitality experience. He was just working in in a bar at the time. Sure. And so we, um, Nick and I, figured out like we had great help just to. You know, I mean, that's who we opened the store with. When we opened the first store, it was me, Nick, and Casper. Um, 
That's class. Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to start a restaurant, but we our, our hospitality experience. We've got a lad working in the bar at the moment, so yeah. you know we're in. We've got we know yeah. the land of the land. It'll be fine. That is an incredible like feat, obviously. And your flagship store opened in Bondi Beach, where it ain't cheap rent. Yeah. What's the story behind getting getting a first store open? So the footprint well, you know, of the initial store is now side room, correct? Correct. So it's a very very small space that you made work but you you need to raise some sort of capital yeah. am i right in thinking there was some sort of boat cleaning business back in the day is that one of the yeah so i mean look to, to start um something to start our first story obviously did require capital um i'd spent while i was at uni i was also working at a marina um and i had a, a, a small boat cleaning business that i'd started with a mate um who's now my project manager um um, Elliot Jones, he's great. He's my design and project manager. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we, we basically serviced um, boats on their moorings, um, whether they needed a clean or just routine maintenance, anything like that. Um, and that, you know, I, I built up a pretty like healthy um, um, group of savings with that. And uh, I knew that we wanted to be in Bondi. And I also knew that being in Bondi would require um, you know, kind of biting off a pretty um, hefty chunk of rent. Mm, mm, um, so we thought, okay, cool. What can we do to, to sort of mitigate that? And we thought, okay, look, let's start small. Let's find a small space, but in the best location. Um, and let's see if we can make it work. Cause a, we knew that, um, you know, just because it was a small space, it would cost us less to rent. And also it was a small space, so it would cost us less to fit it out. Mm. And yeah, so we spent about, we probably spent about four or five months looking for a site, um, before eventually landing on, um, one in the old Swiss grand hotel, which is now the Pacific, and um, like I said, that was a 30 square meter, 30 square meter shop. And we felt that it was um, all that we needed to really um, get started. Mm -hmm. And it was. Incredible. So now, nowadays you've got a system, uh, forgive me, I forget the word, but you have one chef that oversees the production of all uh, your food in like a central location. And then it's cold processing, cold process. Could you talk yeah. to that process for us? Yeah. So, I mean, from the start, um, we um we realized that we didn't you know we didn't want to have all the prep being done in the sh in the shop you know mm -hmm. we figured that um the shop was where we would assemble the food mm -hmm. um and so consequently we established a commissary which is like a central kitchen mm -hmm. um and we yeah we like so we engaged a um a chef and you know he's still there and he oversees the production of all of our produce um incredible it must have scaled a little bit since then how many restaurants you got now 12 yeah. if not 13 um we're at 17 17 oh my um, god wow so we've got 17 stores um we're just about to open our first one in melbourne next week and so we've similarly set up another smaller commissary there just mm -hmm. to service um you know the first store mm. um but yeah like i said it just really helped us from a from a consistency and um, quality control standpoint it helped us having one chef oversee um, all the product. Usually, um, yeah. We make everything from scratch in house, and that was um, always something that was really important to us. And we knew that if we could just centralize that, it would really help us insofar as our you know, ambitions to scale mm. and and manage the growth and the quality of it as we did grow as a business. Yeah, totally. So, what have been um, like logistically speaking? What are kind of challenges to scaling? So, when you say it's all, it's is it all just assembly in store? So well, you I mean, have with, kind of with like regards to scaling, I guess the um, label that people attach to, you know, food businesses that grow quick is usually that they, um, they kind of get worse as they grow. Like the mm. quality drops off. They totally. can't train well, enough It becomes staff. harder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, harder we, to keep an eye yeah. on it. Well, we started with that understanding and we thought, okay, look, 
how do we get better as we grow? Yeah. And that's sort of the first thing that we ask ourselves every day. It's like, okay, what can we do this week to get better? Knowing that we are growing, knowing that we're, um, you know, having to overcome the typical obstacles that do come with growth, mm. whether it is like you know, training new staff or needing more staff, mm. um, um, you know, having to deal with, um, you know, a higher prices in terms of produce and, um, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, we really just held that mantra really close to us. And it's like, how do we get better as we grow? So whether we're applying that to food, it's like we're always looking for a, a better way of sourcing product or mm. produce. We're always looking at a better way of transporting product or produce um, or it's storing it. Um, everything that we sort of do, like it, it's guided by that. Um, and I think that's really helped us because – you know, I don't think that people can point to Fishbowl and say that it was better when we started because I know the product and I know it's not. Mm. I know mm. we, you know, we source um, better fresh fish now than we ever have, you know. Mm. Um, we've got a much closer relationship to farmers than we ever have. Yeah, I made a note of that on yeah. your Instagram. There's a few posts with, uh, what's his name here? Favorite dark green superhero, the kale, coming from um, a local farm, family run, Sam's family run farm just outside Sydney. And that kind of stuff is so important to yourselves and the brand. It's building yeah. that affinity with people that know where the, like from farm to table kind of thing. Yeah, well, knowing it actually matters to us and we actually care. And we believe that um, increasingly people are interested in, in where their food is coming from. Yeah, hugely, um, hugely. You know, it's something that, you know, we always say that the store and the brand is just an extension of ourselves. And so if we can... Um, you know, you know, uh, you know, be fully transparent with regards to where everything is coming from, um, and we can share that information with people. It's something that people um, are, are sort of. It does resonate with them. Mm. Um, it does show them that um, we care. It does educate them about you know, sort of the type of food that they're eating. You know, someone once told me a while back, and basically what they said was, you know, "Eat your food as if it's medicine, or you'll be eating medicine as if it's your food." And you know, I think that's really true you know I, I mean i think increasingly these days people really care about what they're eating and how they consume it mm. um and they recognize that you know food is the one thing that we consume three times a day totally. you know yeah it's um it has real it's one um, of the few things of like human necessity isn't it like yeah well there's there are significant downstream effects um with respect to food whether it's your own personal health whether it's the environment um and they're things that we've sort of learned and um, and also, like, just developed from an ideolog ideological standpoint um, mm. um, as Fishbowl's grown. And it's become something that we um, hold, like, really close to us. Um, and we try and, like I said, that's the sort of, that's a story that we really want to um, share with people. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. What um, What's your favorite vegetable, on a complete side note? My favorite vegetable? <laughs> that's a tough one. I'm going to say, probably say kale. Kale? Yeah. Oh, okay. I put that in your mind. I incepted that a little bit. How would you? How would you prepare kale if I was to pressure you? Well, I mean, I said kale probably because I consume it every day. I mean, when I wake up um, every morning, and the first thing I'll do is I'll have a green fairy smoothie from Side Room, and that's got kale in it. And then, you know, at lunch, I'm eating a fish bowl, which is always going to have kale in it. Um, you know, if I'm making it or if I'm choosing. Um, so it's a pretty solid staple of the day for you. Yeah, then. Just a bit of kale. Yeah. I mean, look, I love vegetables. I really do. I love fruit and I love vegetables. And, um, you know, I guess with Fishbowl, it was all about how, you know, we wanted to make that something that you know, in the past we had you know, kids that didn't really want to, you know, they always put up a shield when it came to things totally. like Well, it was vegetables. being, it's, 
again, it speaks volumes about your brand and the culture around it. There's a culture around food, right? And yeah. where McDonald's has traditionally done such a brilliant and worryingly brilliant uh, job of marketing to children, having you know your playgrounds, having a McDonald's party, having McDonald's in your mind as a treat, like that something that you'll have every now and then that's like really exciting and good. Yeah. It's reverse engineering that and being like, actually, no vegetables, fruit, etc., is the star of the show, and these are the meals that we should be excited about. Yeah, well, on some on, on some level, um, albeit one that probably wasn't um, you know, conducive to universal health, mm. McDonald's were able to create a lifestyle brand, mm. um, and you know that was something that we acknowledged early on as being really important um, in terms of like our journey and the sort of road we wanted to take. And so, you know, when I say that the brand and the product is an extension of our personalities it is it incorporates things that we love whether it be health and so we started a run club um you know casper's you know grew up surfing and loved surfing so we have a fishbowl surf team um you know i play basketball we've got a basketball team and we play in local comps things like that um you know these are all um you know we we like to sort of we like to throw events and 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 parties so we have a you know we've got a resident dj and we do throw um you know parties for our staff we throw um you know, a pretty epic New Year's Day party every year. Um, and these are all things that, you know, they're as much part of us as they are part of the brand. And they just, um, you know, serve to uh, really, like, tell people our story and, and let them know what we're about. Um, and also let them know that, you know, it's not just about the food. You mm. know, it starts with that. And, you know, that's the thing we have always have to have our, like, you know, eyes on. It's like, let's you never lose sight of the fact that we need to give people a beautiful product. Um, and that's our sort of core goal. Um, but then around that, it was like, okay, how can we develop layers of personality and design and culture? Um, and that's something that, like I said, we're just mindful of that every day. And, you know, there really it does form like, I guess, like our guiding principles. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's all encompassing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's above and beyond just the food, that whole yeah. experience. And that's like the, whether it be the interior design of Bondi yeah. uh, one or any store in Surrey Hills. I remember I went into recently, I was struck by how cool it yeah, is. Well, look, I loved, um, I love dining out. I love dining in restaurants mm. and I knew that you know, Fishbowl wasn't a restaurant from the start. You know, we wanted to take on, um, fast food really. Mm. Um, and you know, but you never walked into a you know, I mean, most fast food establishments, they never made you feel the way you would feel as if it was you were tra walking. Transactional, right? Like you're exactly, in yeah. and you're out. You're not staying there. For yeah, we wanted to time. bring back that that feeling of, um, you know, that experience-based feeling. We wanted to like really, you know, that, that sort of experience that you get when you go to a restaurant and you would hear, you know, you know you would, the, whether it was the lighting or the music or the setting, mm. um, we wanted to bring that into the fast food realm. Yeah. You know, we always say we want to, you, you want to, we want to change fast food. Um, and we really do. We want to change how people think about fast food because right now, um, you know, the understanding is that you think fast food, you think burgers, you think fried, you think chips. You Unhealthy. Know? Yeah. yeah. And that's just, um, you know, all you should really think is it's quick. You mm. know? Um, there are no rules with respect to, you know, experience. And that's something that we're trying to change as we grow. Mm, mm, totally. And with like well, popularity booming coming into summer now as well, you've got queues out the door at, the, at your um, flagship store in Bondi. Do you uh, envisage making that store bigger? Is there any capacity for that, or um, do we, you? We've already made it bigger. You know, we like I said, we from that initial thirty meter thirty meter squared site, we did um, eventually we were able to occupy a 
uh, an outgoing tenant site right opposite the hall, which is um, a lot bigger. You know, it was um, like five times the size nearly. And, and even that one's got queues out the door. Well, that's, I mean, look, it's, I mean, like, on, it's, you know, Bondi pumps in summer. Mm. Um, and there's only so much we can do, you know. And um, we are working on ways and we are working um, on ways to sort of, you know, process more people um, mm. more efficiently, mm -hmm. um, be it through the use of you know, technology and kiosks and order ahead. That's something that we're really um, developing now. Mm. Um, you know, it is available at the moment. So we actually do have a lot of people that will sit on the beach and open our website and they'll place their order. And they know that they don't have to wait in the queue. They don't have to wait in line. They can just, it's ready when they are. And that's really important to that feature. Interesting. Um, Does that um, add to the bottleneck or is there like a threshold at which, you know, so say you've got a physical queue, then you, I presumably you've got, you've got your Uber Eats and that kind of avenue stream coming in as well. And then uh, this new stream, how, how did the, the boys and girls in the kitchen cope with that? Is there like a, a system in place? Be like, yeah, oh, I mean, there are, there's, there's, I guess there's, um, a process um, with respect to which orders go where. Mm. Um, so, you know, they know that like an online order looks different to an in-house order. And so it will sort of take a different route on its way to the pass. Uh, okay. um, and, you know, there's only, there is obviously a, there's a ceiling as to how much we can handle. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we want you to, know, you know, we want the food to be ready when you are, you know, mm. we don't believe that you should wait on us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that will be more prevalent um, moving forward as well. And so we're just working with, um, you know, our, um, some of our third like party um, partners such as Square um, to develop, you know, those technologies um, to really suit our product and our customer. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Congrats on the Square visit as well. Oh, Jack coming around recently. That's so, so cool. What was yeah. it like meeting him? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we've, we've met, I mean, we've caught up a few times now, um, yeah. you know, when he comes to Sydney. Um, or oh, my partner Nick was just in the States and I um, was you know, staying with him. And so we've established a really um, nice relationship there. And it's just, you know, interesting because, you know, we sort of picked up his his product Square just as they were launching here. And um, it just so happened that, you know, we found that a really um, easy product to grow with. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it, it, it obviously looks great, but it was really easy just to teach people how to use it. Totally, um, yeah. From a functionality standpoint, it was, you know, really seamless. Um mm -hmm. And for those that don't know, sorry, Square is the very small white tile that you'll see in lots of trendy cafes, bars, restaurants, etc., which with which you can pay. I presume, I think they take something like a 1.9% like cut of whatever transaction, something like that anyway. But it's yeah. been, like your business is just incredibly streamlined. Everything is efficient. We had Paul Parks on not so long ago on the podcast, and he was telling me how one of his many little business ventures was the software behind kind of like a one-stop shop for ordering produce is it something like that and you guys use that yeah that's another really useful piece of technology that we've adopted um, it's called order and basically what it does and this is another thing that comes back to just making sure that we have really um easy systems and processes in place that um allow us to grow mm. um and, and and maintain control of mm. of those um processes and basically what order does it um it groups all of your suppliers um be it with their phone numbers their um, products, their email addresses, the groups them all in one place. Mm -hmm. So all our managers have to do is basically scroll through a list of um, you know, supplies that they know that they order, um, and it's a one-stop shop. And they basically, you know, they'll plug in the the unit volume or whatever they need, and they press you know one button, and it automatically gets sent out to all those suppliers, and mm -hmm. it'll get delivered um, as per normal. 
Incredible. So that's yeah, taking a job that would have taken hours or half a day or something and yeah. condensing it down into. Well, a... there are no, you know, it just removes the need for like sort of phone calls and yeah. mistakes and yeah. um, you know, everything's there. It's all been recorded. It's all, um, you know, it's really is. It's it's very systemized, and that's something that, um, you know, it's just one less thing to worry about. Mm. Um, you know, with a business like ours that you know, does quite aggressively seek to grow. Yeah, totally. Um, so how, um, talking of that and opening your store in Melbourne, how are you juggling your time at the moment? Uh, you know, it, it's on a, you know, where am I needed most basis? Um, you know, the idea is that as we open stores, it's not that, um, you know, my role changes. It's just that I guess the scope of what I'm uh, looking after grows. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really just doing the same thing, but across um, a, a larger group of stores. And so, you know, in Melbourne, I, I think it's really, you know, we have you know, a flagship location there and it's really important to, you know, for me to be there and sort of ingratiate myself with that store and with those customers and get to know them from the start. Um, and I really enjoy spending, you know, those early days in the store as well. Um, you, know, you know, I still love, you know, making the food, um, um, engaging with the staff and, and sort of really learning, engaging customer sentiment. Um, that's something that, you know, I can sort of, um, you know, it tells me a lot uh, really quickly. Mm. You know, I can always wait for the sort of feedback loop to, loop to come back around to me, but I think that, you know, I've got my own ways of staying close to the stores, which don't necessarily involve, um, you know, me living in them either. Mm. Um, but they're really, um, you know, just, just like I said, staying close to stores, managers, um, the customer, mm. and just being able to, I guess, like feel what they feel and see it as to how they see it um, really helps um, me develop um, and sort of, adjust the the whole product to make sure that we are staying ahead and um you know changing with their needs because that's something that you know we're also extremely mindful of is that you know what worked yesterday and what got mm. us here won't take us there and um you know i just make sure that my whole team knows that yeah. and that they're always looking for those cues that will sort of um guide that understanding interesting yeah because my next question on that like the classic um positive of a startup or small business and entrepreneur they always herald the fact that they can move quickly right they can move on a dime whereas bigger companies kind of like bear moffs they take they've got a board they've got a committee it takes a lot longer to react to the market so how where do you sit in that and then how do you approach it as you're scaling like you yeah. delegating to managers have they got autonomy to react to a certain thing or i suppose if you're in sydney you're all quite close what yeah well you know, you you sort of touched on it. We we want to be a a company that is able to move on a dime, um, no matter how big or small. Um, you know, we've got to make sure that we've got a really um, steady and open um, channel of communication in which messages can sort of get passed through and not lost. Mm. Um, you know, if we, you know, when we make changes, uh, we make them really effectively, and um, that's something that we do frequently. You know, we're still growing. And, you know, as you, as you grow, um, you know, you learn new things and we just have to, you know, for us, it's just about applying those new lessons um, immediately mm. and as efficiently as possible. And that's something that, you know, we, we do, we do do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, like in, insofar as getting changes approved and that kind of thing, it's, you know, we don't, we don't need to worry about that. You know, the, at the end of the day, we still make all the decisions. You know, we don't have investors or we don't have a board. Um, it's just, you know, me, Nick Casper and a small executive team and 
um, you know, we're fairly, you know, we challenge each other, mm -hmm. um, but we sort of, we know when we arrive at a conclusion that is better for the, for the business. And when we do, we just, we, we make it happen. Yeah. Incredible. So how do you um, come to these big decisions? Do you, is it kind of like, where, where does it all happen? Where does the magic happen? I often see you guys hanging out in the Bondi store still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we spend it, look, we all, we all live in and around Bondi. So naturally we, we spend a lot of time there and uh, we learn a lot from that store, you know, obviously being our flagship and our first store. Is it also your testing ground? Or not really. Like if, not for example, really. you were having like a new menu item or something. If we, we test, we we decide what we're going to test and where we're going to test it based off of um, what it is we're trying. Well, just what it is we're trying to get out of the, sure, the particular sure, item. So sure. if it's a, you know, if it's a particular menu item, we'll sort of, um, you know, let's just say we, you know, one of the things we've introduced in the in the past few months are um, a few uh, warmer options you know, through winter specifically. So mm. something like a a Rangers Valley um, beef brisket. Um, that was something that we knew, um, you know, required, you know, uh, you know, heating elements. Um, so naturally it would take a bit longer. And so we tested that in our city stores where we had a sort of a very time conscious crowd yeah. um, and getting food out quickly was paramount because we knew that it has to work in a city store where we have two hours to service people mm -hmm. um, for it to work, you know, at Fishbowl because, you know, we do want it to work across this the, the group of the system of stores and um mm. and um yeah so that's how that's how we tested that product and it and it did and so we were able to you know i mean albeit that that beef brisket slow cooks throughout the night for 12 hours mm. but we were able to you know you know i guess give it the treatment that it needed um within a within a lunch rush mm -hmm. to to get it in people's hands you know in under 2 minutes Incredible. and that's really important for us Totally, yeah. And on that note, with hot foods, you don't Uber Eats, etc. Hot foods, that correct? Uh, no. Once again, so we uh, didn't initially, um, but that was something that we tested a lot. Um, you know, and how do we test that? Well, I mean, look, I'm probably our own biggest customer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll order fishbowl to my house. You know, probably three or four times a week yeah. um, in part because that's really what I love to eat at nighttime. But I was going to say, do you eat anything other than fishbowl or are you pretty much? You, honestly, between fishbowl and cider, and that's probably 75% of my diet. Amazing. Um, and then I, you know, I guess I eat out and I have a small kitchen, so I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of cooking sure. um, in the same way that I used to, um, which nice. is a shame. I do love to cook and I will go back to that. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, that's but right now, testament I, I don't... to your product, isn't it? If the <clears throat> founder's eating it, most of their, oh, most the time, their look, waking I, day. I, I really know what's in it and that matters to me, knowing what's in my salad dressings, you know, knowing um, that, you know, we don't take shortcuts. We don't um, cut corners when it comes to um, ingredients, you know, and none of our dressings contain any refined sugar um, and all that matters to me. So it makes me feel better when I'm eating it. Um, but at the same time, like when it comes to so what we were discussing is how do we test those products on delivery? Mm -hmm. We test it by just doing it ourselves. Mm. So I throw curveballs to the guys all the time when they're in the shop. You know, I'll add in a, a little note that you know might throw them off or something like that just to see that, um, that they're reading it thoroughly and they're, um, um, you know, able to manage that in store, mm -hmm. um, especially during a busy service. And uh, yeah, that's a, it's a good sort of feedback loop. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What characteristics do you look for when you're hiring people? You know, I always say like it's we're passionate people. You know, we don't expect, um, you know, we're not looking for geniuses. You know, we're looking for people that really care. And, 
you know, it's sort of like that's how we started. We didn't have the necessary experience. We didn't have the, you know, on paper, the necessary skill set that you might think you would need to start a business or to start a business in food. Um, but we had, you know, three founders that really gave a shit. Mm. Um, and that's sort of what we look for in people because we think if you come into a place like Fishbowl, and you do, you know, you do sort of understand the values um, and the beliefs that we hold really close to ourselves. Mm. Um, you can, you know, you'll learn and you'll figure it out and you'll be able to surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Um, you know, we wanted to create an environment where people were able to, you know, carve out their own um, value and carve out their own, um, you know, contributions. And that's something that uh, we look for throughout our whole network of staff, you know, and our whole so our whole team, you know, whether we're doing videos, we've, you know, we've got videographers that work at Fishbowl, whether we're doing, um, you know, if we're, if we're entering in a, in a surf competition, like we've got surfers at Fishbowl, um, you know, whether if we want help with something, if we want help in the sort of marketing realm, you know, these are all things that we look to our own team um, um, for all that kind of thing. We try and um, show them that there is, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for growth in Fishbowl and, um, you know, whatever your, it is that your talent is like, we want to, um, you know, we want to, we want you to realize that at Fishbowl and we want to show everyone that it is actually a place where it's not, you know, it doesn't just railroad you into doing any one particular thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we want people to be diverse and dynamic in their roles. We want them to have autonomy and feel like, um, you know, they do control their own destiny. They are here because they want to be here and, um, like I said, that's just, that's really important to us. And that's the culture we're trying to create. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's so important to everyone in every walk of life. Like it's having that agency, that sense of agency and autonomy that makes you put the extra bit of effort in or like fulfillment essentially. Yeah. And that's why people turn up. That's yeah. why like, that's the dream um, end goal for work, isn't it? That we, we gain fulfillment from it. So that sounds yeah. like you guys are definitely satiating that. To hop back into your past a bit. What was the, uh, do you remember a dish that really ticked your box? Like when you were, when you were younger or like, what was something that really? Yeah, look, to be honest, I mean, growing up, um, like I said, in a, in a household that loved to cook um, and a lot of really like a lot of Japanese food and Japanese flavors, we grew up with, you know, this um, Kewpie roast sesame dressing mm. and I loved it. And it was just, I put it on everything, any salad I made, um, any dish I made. Um, was this a homemade dressing? No, that's something it wasn't. It was a mass-produced Japanese product called Kewpie roast sesame dressing, oh. and um, you know the flavors in it were amazing. And then as we when we started Fishbowl and we were sort of you know looking into sort of sourcing these products from Japan, we began to you know we just really we turned around the bottle and we looked at what was in it. And we go fuck, we can't we can't serve this. It's got far too much sugar. It's got MSG, you know, so it's, got, it's yeah, got MSG, yeah. and these are all things that we learned like really early. And we, so you know, we took that dressing, that roast sesame, and we, you know, we got our team of chefs together and 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 decided like let's let's recreate this as closely as possible, but let's make it healthier for you. Let's use better ingredients. Um, there's no need for MSG in any of our food. Mm. You know, there's a lot of natural flavor that's um, available and that's out there, and you know, not that there's anything unhealthy or wrong with MSG, but I just feel like we can achieve that same flavor sensation just with natural ingredients and so um, I think that was a real um, core ingredient that um, we established really early and that's really become a flavor that is synony synonymous with fishbowl 
Um, it's in our most popular bowl, which is the OG. And, you know, I guess that sort of speaks volumes about that particular product. But, yeah. Yeah, incredible. What skill, other than your own, or that you do now, what would you like to do uh, and learn and why? What skill? At the moment, yeah. Oh, that's really hard. Because you're... It sounds you you know you've got a Hawkeye over everything, right? Yeah. And then you can you pick stuff, and then I presume you delegate. But what would you what would you like to have a bash at yourself? I can't. It, it, I don't really look at it like that. It's not the sort of lens I view my like I guess development path through. Yeah, I like um, it. I yeah. just I love to learn, mm. um, and I'm motivated by things I don't know. I'm motivated by new opportunity, and Fishbowl um, keeps you know affording me new opportunities um, and new possibilities. You know, whether it's to grow, whether it's to learn, whether it's to sort of, um, you know, sort of dip my toes into something new. And um, that's, you know, Fishbowl is the the thing that keeps allowing me to do that. What are um, an example of a couple of those that you've come across recently? Um, I guess just in the realm of, you know, in the realm of hospitality, you know, just learn you know, the lessons that we've learned from Fishbowl. We're now developing, um, you know, and applying to other concepts. Like I said, Side Room um, is another health food concept that we've that we've started. Mm. Um, it basically focuses on uh, smoothies and alternate salads, like really Mediterranean flavored salads mm. um, put together in a similar style as fishbowl. An incredible avocado on toast. I can testify to yeah. that, guys. Yeah, so it's our, it's our like breakfast, lunch, dinner um, product. Uh, and like I said, we've just, we, we, you know, we try and apply the same principles and the same values um, into other, in, into whatever else it is that we do, whether it's in food. Um, you know, we've got, um, yeah, like I said, a, a pipeline of sort of concepts and ideas that, you know, we look forward to executing in the not too distant future mm. um, that will not just serve to complement fishbowl, but, um, you know, it'll, it'll just, you know, it, on, on some level, it, you know, it will allow, you know, they'll, they'll speak for themselves as well. Mm. Um, mm. But, You've got you an know, app in the works? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah. So we're developing, uh, we are developing our own in-house app just to um, you know, generate uh, like orders and new cycles and um, things like color accounts. And I guess we, we, you know, our sort of MO with that is like, what do people want to see when they open the app? Like what's going to cause them to use it, um, you know, more so than just that they can just order on it. And, you know, mm, mm. as we've sort of identified, like people really care about health and they, um, they do care about the, you know, even just like the cultural elements of fishbowl. They want to know about, um, initiatives that we might have taken, you know, that, we, that we're sort of undergoing, mm, um, whether mm. upcoming events, um, new products. Um, like I said, it would be a place where they can track um, their own health and nutrition. And, um, yeah, that's, that, that is in the works, and we hope to sort of um, have that ready within the next you know, six months. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's just a lot of refining and developing. Yeah, that's cool. Moving forward, um, well, for the future in general, just a few questions about yourself and your ethos. So what would you say is your strongest personal quality? It's my desire to recognize, my desire to want to learn and grow and recognizing that there's a ton that I don't know, mm. you know, um, there's a ton that I, I just, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what life's going to throw at me. Um, you know, but I embrace that unpredictability. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know that I will figure it out and that, you know, I sort of, it, that's what excites me. It's that uh, willingness to want to learn and want to grow and like I said, just embrace the uncertainty of life and of business. Mm. And that's what it's like when you do run your own business. You know, it is, it's, it's non-linear. Um, 
you know, things can turn on a dime and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. And it's just about, you know, recognizing that, you know, you got to embrace that sense of vulnerability and just be prepared to make it work and make it, you know, make it a, a better situation than what you were given. Yeah. Incredible mentality, man. So on that, maybe you haven't got one, but what are you most afraid of? Predict- have to be- uh, I don't know, predictability. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't want to, yeah, I, I, I love not knowing, you know, it's the ultimate freedom for me. Um, and I, obviously I want, you know, I want to create, um, you know, beautiful moments and beautiful memories. Um, and I enjoy not knowing what they are, or what they might look like. Awesome. That's awesome. If you were to get a dream phone call today, if such a thing exists, what would be, who would be on the other end? Tom Brady. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. What would you like him to say to you? I don't know. Just you guys deliver to America. Yeah, just check in and yeah, see what's up. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. always been an idol of mine. Like I think that just the way he's. I look. I love American football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I just think, insofar as like a a personality goes, I think that I really have enjoyed watching from afar, like his approach to life, his approach to getting better, and his approach to adapting as he's, you know, as he's gotten older and as the game has just changed. Like he's been through real. You know, the, the, just the cycles um, with respect to NFL football and American football have mm-hmm. changed dramatically since he came into the league. And I think his ability to adjust and adapt to those and, you know, just coming off the back of a Super Bowl. I mean, totally. he's in his early 40s. Yeah, you know, incredible. He's got no business, you know, achieving that level of success, you know, in a typical yeah. um, set of circumstances. But he's just managed to to continue to do so. Yeah, totally. I like Tiger Woods. And I think you mentioned in a previous podcast, Michael Jordan. Yeah, well, he, I mean, look, Michael Jordan had a just a razor-sharp focus um, and drive. And I think that, you know, I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, just the, the way he was able to impact his teammates and the people around him, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's through just motivation and leading by example. You know, I, it's yeah, people like that I, I take a lot of cues from and I really just admire. Yeah, awesome, man. Oh, we're going to our little concluding questions that I've kind of borrowed from Bully Under Culture and more lately it's um, Inside the Actors Studio. So they're in no particular order, but what is your favorite sound? Favorite sound? Favorite sound. Falling of rain. Falling of rain. Yeah. I like it. Very relaxing. Nice, nice. And then the opposite of that, you'll see what these questions are in a sec. What's your least favorite sound? People beeping in traffic. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. I can relate to that. What is a job other than your own that you'd like to try? Uh, playing quarterback in the NFL. Nice. A job that you'd least like to try? Um, anything that boxes me in. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, new opportunities. Turns you off? Uh, predictable circumstances. Favorite curse word? You got one? No, I don't. You don't have one? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. No potty mouth here. If heaven exists, what would you like St. Peter to say to you at the pearly gates? I, I'm not a religious person, so I... How would I, you like to be remembered by your friends? Or those who knew you? Uh, just as someone who made them, you know, who made people I surrender. I just, I wanted, to, I wanted to make them feel better. I like making people happy, you know, in any set of circumstances. Like, I like people around me, people I care about being happy. Um, and I try and do whatever I can to help them, you know. Incredible. Like nice ethos, very nice ethos. 
Well, mate, well, that concludes it for now. But thank you so, so much for coming in. Is there, um, how should we, how do people keep up with what all you guys are doing? You've got your Instagram, fishbowl yeah. underscore sashimi. Fishbowl underscore sashimi. Yeah. Um, yeah, just through our website, um, fishbowlbondi.com.au. Um, and just come into the store. You know, there's always new things happening. If they haven't actually tried our product, it won't be too long before we, we get in front of them. And um, like I said, that's, that's our goal. You know, it's to grow, it's to get better, have a good time doing it as well. Yeah, awesome. Oh, man. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, and I wish you all the best in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. All right. Until next week, guys. Catch you later.